You ready to get in the Word? Amen. The Word is life and health to all our flesh. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, uh, just, uh, man, next week, uh, Dr. Savell will be, be back with us next week. Uh, he's been in Australia. He's, it's actually like 2 in the morning there on Monday, so I think he gets to do Monday twice. Um, but, uh, but he's been ministering all over, uh, all over Australia. And, um, and anyway, just looking forward to him coming back and being refreshed and believe that he had, uh, they had great deposits while they were in uh, the, uh, the nation of Australia. Amen. Amen. Well, I've been doing this series. Um, it's really been not sure where, where it goes. I don't necessarily map out a series and say, okay, we'll do four weeks on this and then four weeks on that. It's just, that's just not how I, you know, just how the Lord works with me. And so I kind of get, get like a topic that the Holy Spirit speaks to me and he just, I want you to mind this topic. I want you to unpack this. And, and so we're all growing together in this, right? And so, so back at the beginning of the year, he said, Justin, I want you to talk about desire. And so with that, we did about four weeks talking about our desire for God. And then transitioned in talking about our desire for the Word, right? The Word. That's, are, are you in the Word? I mean, the, the Word has to be the most important thing in your life. And so that's what we've been talking about for uh, the past four weeks. And, and, um, and so this is going to be like, kind of like a, a sum up of both of those aspects of this. And then uh, not next week, but the week after, I'll get in and talking about desire of the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about the Holy Spirit. But go to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. And we define the word desire as it's an internal act which by influencing the will makes us proceed to action. So there's, there's an internal influence down on the inside of me that's propelling me to do something. And you know what? Your desires, whether good or bad, are leading you towards something. Right? So there's the desires that you have in your life. And the question is, are they leading to you to fulfill your purpose in God? Or are they leading you away from your purpose that God has for your life? Are they leading towards a healthy marriage? Are they leading to, towards a, a, a dynamic business? Or what, what are, where are your desires leading you? Because they're leading you somewhere. The question is, what desires are you allowing to influence your life. Let's look at this. John chapter 17. Hallelujah. Verse 3, for the sake of time. It says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. Know you. This is eternal life, that it might know you, the only true God. No. This word know has to do with connection. It has to do the intermingling of two things. That, that, that eternal life is this. That you might know the one true living God. That you might be intimately acquainted with the one true living God. And Jesus Christ whom he has sent. I have glorified you on earth. This is Jesus praying. I have finished the work you've given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together. Now, get this. Glorify me together with yourself. What is Jesus saying? Jesus saying, glorify me together with yourself. Meaning, meaning I want to come back into this place. And, and what does he mean here? He says, glorify to me together with yourself. Now, listen. With the glory which I had with you before the world was. Wow. Jesus had a desire. Jesus 
had a desire that when he was about to leave and he was praying and summing up his life and before he's about to lay his life down, he's saying, glorify me with yourself. I believe the Amplified says, says this, restore the honor and the majesty that I had with you before the world was. I mean, how many of you can say that Jesus experienced the glory of God? He, how many of you say he walked in the glory of God? He saw the power of God. He saw the love of the Father. He, he saw God's goodness. Can, can, you, can you agree to that? But yet Jesus in his prayer says, restore to me the glory I had with you before the world was. Meaning you and I, we've only seen a glimpse of his glory. We've only seen a taste of his presence. We've only experienced the iceberg of his power. We've only experienced just a little bit of his person. But it had to come down to restore to me, to yourself. Jesus' desire was, I want to come back into this, this closeness. Not that Jesus wasn't close when he walked the earth. We know it says he grew in favor with God and man. He was dependent upon the Father for everything. We talked about some of those things. Now let's go, uh, for the sake of time, let's go up to verse 11. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those you have given me. Now listen to this that they may be one as we are one. What is he saying? He's saying, look, keep, keep through your own name, those you've given me, that, that they could be one like we're one. Let's go down to verse 14. It says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Now just stay with me. I'm just laying a foundation for where we're going. It's interesting, he says, keep them from the evil one. Then it says, they are not of this world, just as I'm not of this world. And it says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So let me ask you a question. What is going to be the answer to keep you from the evil one? The word. The word. Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. It's the truth of God. It's us connecting with the word of God that's going to cause us to be free from the enemy. How did Jesus win in the wilderness? By the word. By the word. It was the word. It was the word. The enemy said this, but Jesus said, but the word says. But the word says. But the word says. And we know it says after the devil, it said he left him for a season. It said that Jesus came out in the fullness of the spirit. Let's keep going. Let's look at verse 20. He goes, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me 
through their word. Meaning it's the word that's going to come from the disciples. It says that they may be one as you, Father, art in me and I in you. It's going back to this. This is Jesus' prayer. His desire is that we have this fellowship. This desire, his desire is that we would have this oneness with the Father. You, Father, are in me, I in you, that they also may be one in us. This, this, this unity with the Father. That the world may believe that you sent me. See, it's this oneness that I have with, he- with heaven that the world's going to know you sent me. There's going to be something in me and on me that's going to cause the world to recognize something about me. Verse 22. Now listen, and the glory which you have given me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. So now it's talking about. Jesus was talking about his oneness, our oneness with the Father, our oneness with Jesus, and now he's saying our oneness with each other. Just, just say this. I'm just laying a foundation here, okay? Say, say we're going somewhere. That they may be one just as we're one, I and them, and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. So that they, you and I, would be perfect in one. (laughs) That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Now it's saying, hey God, show them that you love them just much as you love me. And then verse 24 says, Father, I desire. Now we're hearing Jesus' desire. Father, I desire that they also whom you've given me may be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. There's this unity that Jesus is speaking to in his prayer to the Father. And it was a unity with the Father. Unity with the Son. Unity with the Word. And unity with each other. And it was out of that unity that the world would know. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, let's look at verse 40. It says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying. Now listen, and with many other words. This is Peter. He stood up and he preached. And it says, and with many other words. We don't necessarily know what those words are. He just says it's many other words. He testified and... And exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. It kind of sounds like Jesus' prayer when he said, keep them from the wicked one. So with many words, he exhorted them and he said, be saved from this perverse generation. Now this is, and then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And I might knock over some, some, some religious cows here. Jesus didn't all of a sudden turn around and baptize 3,000 people in water right then. 
Now, when it says baptized, it means they became born again. They became immersed in Jesus. And if you don't agree with that, we can have a talk later. But, but the point is, is here he says, then those who gladly received his word. See, when you receive the word, it changes your life. It changes something. When they received what Peter had to say. There was something that shifted on the inside of them. And all of a sudden they became immersed in the anointing. They became immersed in God. They became immersed in what was happening in that moment. And they continued. Now listen to this. This is what happened afterwards. And they continued steadfastly. Continued. Continued. Say continued. Continued. Steadfastly. Meaning this was a practice. This was a daily practice. This was something that was a priority to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Now, that sounds, that sounds real religious. Thinking, well, oh, continued in the apostles' doctrine. It's like, do you know the apostles' doctrine? Really what this means is, it was the apostles' instructions. That's all it is. Don't, don't take the word doctrine and be something that you can't figure out. It was just the things that the apostles were instructing. And I don't have time right now to go through everything that, that Jesus instructed the apostles to communicate. Of course, we know the Great Commission. We know a number of things that Jesus said throughout his life and ministry, which would have been the apostles' doctrine. But this was basically coming down to continuing in the messages that the apostles preached. Continuing in the instructions that the apostles gave. What were the instructions that the apostles gave? The instructions that Jesus gave. Let's not make it too deep. Let's not try to overcomplicate it. It was just, it was, they continued. They made a practice that, you know what? We're going to preach what Christ preached and instructed. And therefore, we're going to continue in the things that Christ preached and things that Christ instructed. So what are these four things that they're doing? And this is when the church was birthed. And let me ask you a question. If this is how the church was birthed, should anything else change? They continued in the apostles' doctrine. You could say they continued in the words. Now, and in fellowship. They continued in fellowship. The word fellowship here means, means to be in an intimate community. It was this close-knit group of family. And it says, and they continued in the breaking of bread. What does this mean? They continued with communion. It also means as they continue with communion, what's communion? It's me celebrating the promises. It's celebrating covenant. It's celebrating what Jesus did on the cross. It's, it's, it's gathering together and celebrating the finished work of what Christ accomplished and the fact that we are Abraham's seed and we are heirs according to the promise. That's, that's what, that's what they, they continued in. They continued in this. This was something that they consistently made a priority in their lives. And it says, and then they continued in prayer. All does this mean just in speaking to God? Speaking to God. 
You see, this, this fellowship, this, this oneness, having the desire that Jesus had. Jesus had a desire to be one with the Father. He had a desire to be one with those that he walked with. He had a desire to be one with the Father's commands and words and, and for the disciples to lay a hold of the word. And here, on the day that the church was birthed, it said they continued in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayer. Let this be our desire. Let this be our desire. Because there's something that happened when they made this a priority in their lives. It wasn't something they did every now and then. No, they continued steadfastly. The church of Jerusalem, on its inception in that first day, it grew to 3,120 people like that. And it said, and they continued. They continued. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. They continued. This, this church thing is a big deal. It's, it's a big deal. When this becomes... Your desire, something happens. Amen. When your desire is to continue in prayer, your desire is to continue to fellowship with believers, yes. and your desire is to continue in the breaking of bread, celebrating what Jesus did, and you're, and you're, and you, and you're, uh, and you're continuing in the word. And talking about Jesus, talking about the works of Jesus, talking about uh, the, the, the mandates of the word and the, and the, uh, the, the great commission and, and, and what we're called to do as a church. And, and these are things that you're, con- you're continuing in. Something happens. Let's look at what happened when they continued. I'm reading the New King James here. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine, fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then... Then, meaning when they continued in this, then something happened. See, a lot of times we're waiting for the something to happen, but we haven't done the first thing. You know, Second, Second Corinthians says, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We believe, therefore we speak. See, a lot of times people are speaking, but they haven't come to a place of believing yet. It's the same thing to this. We, we want to see the then, but are we continuing in the things that produce the then? Thank you. I don't have another message this morning. This is, this is what you're going to get. So. Now, listen, then fear came upon every soul. Fear came upon every soul. That means what? Just a reverence for God. Just, just sitting back, I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Amen. What's God going to do next? What's going to happen in our midst? What's going to happen in our presence? What's going to happen as, we, as all 400, 400 of us leave here today and we go out and we invade our communities and we invade our neighborhood? What's going to happen? 
Because we continued in the word. We continued in the breaking of bread. We're celebrating God. We're celebrating our fellowship, our prayer with God. We're celebrating and we have a desire for his word and his presence and who he is. And then fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Then it says, now all who believed were together. Let's go to verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. King James says singleness of heart. You see, they had one focus. And it was him. They had one focus. Dwelling together. They had one focus, the Great Commission. They had one focus, love for each other. One focus, the presence of God. One focus, the world. One focus, the house of God being a reflection of his goodness and his excellence. One focus, this singleness of heart. You see, oftentimes in our lives, we can, in my own life, there's times where I failed and missed the mark. Not because I didn't have a desire for God, but I had competing desires that competed with the desire I should have. I'm not standing here to say say this morning that you don't love God and you don't desire God or you don't love church and you don't have a desire for church. What I'm saying is too often times we have all these other desires that can compete with the main desire. It's like you might have a desire to to reach the world, but but you have a, a greater desire that competes with that and that desire is fear. You have a desire to serve in the church. You have a desire to get involved. You desire for those things, but all of a sudden you have competing desires because you may think, oh, well, that's kind of under me or that's less than. I'm made for more than that and I've got more gifts and I've got more talents, but wait a minute, over here is, over here is suffering too. So the thing is, is that's why we all have to be all in as it pertains to what the disciples were all in. And it was all about the word. It was about the fellowship with each other. It was about the, the, the breaking of bread. It was about the prayer. And too often we like to pick and choose. Well, I like that one. I like that one. But no, it wasn't until they continued in these things. Then fear came upon every soul. And many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. That's good. <laughs> Bless him, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There's something happens when unity is present. There's something that happens when, when our desire meets and connects with God's desire. Yeah. Let's look at Psalms 133. Psalms 133. When we connect with God, the word, and each other, explosive things happen. Thank you, Father. Psalms 133. Look at this in verse 1, and we'll just go through these three verses. 
It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You see, it was the brethren in the church of Acts. It was the, the family in Jerusalem that were continuing in the apostles' doctrine. And when I hear that, I'm not trying to exalt the church. I'm not trying to put church above any other gift or any other office, okay? Because all those other gifts and offices, such as outreach, such as, you know, uh, the Great Commission, all that, that's in the Apostle Doctrine, okay? So here, when I say that, for brethren to dwell, how good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together. The word dwell here means to sit down and remain. How good it is for brethren, for brothers, sisters, to sit down and remain together in unity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then he gives us an analogy here of what it's like. He said, it's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It's precious. This, this unity in the house of God, this unity that was taking place on the day the church was birthed, it was something like no other. I mean, think about it. On the, the same week that Jesus was betrayed, you had disciples that were arguing about who is the greatest. Fighting over who's the greatest. Disciples denying Jesus. And yet, just in a matter of 10 days so to, ten days or so, they get filled with the Holy Ghost. And the next thing we know, it's not about who's the greatest, but it's like, let's dwell together in unity. Let's come together in unity. Let's come together in unity. And, and here it says, dwell together. It's like the precious ointment. How could we describe that? It's like the precious ointment that came down Aaron's beard. One, the anointing oil. This, this was something that was costly. It was something that was hard to get. It was something that it took a process to make it. It was also instructions from, from heaven. It was something that, was, that, that God, was ordained, God was involved in, and it was something that God ordained. So, so it goes beyond just thinking about this oil that's running down Aaron's beard, but how costly is that oil? How precious is that oil? It's God-ordained. It's something that God established. It's something that is beyond what we could think, and unity is so much is, is like it. Just as much as we could exalt how God anointed the house of Aaron... That's how much he looks at when you and I are dwelling together in unity. And then he explains it this way. It's like the dew of Hermon that descended upon the mountains of Zion. What does that mean? It's like this, meaning it's refreshing. That's what dew is refreshing. It, it has the ability to to bring, dew has the ability, and Annette's taught on this, dealing with sheep in, the, in following the good shepherd, that, that the dew has the ability to make things produced when there's been no rain. This dew, it's refreshing, and it's also something you can't see. You don't see, do you? You just wake up the next morning and it's there. 
Meaning, meaning it's supernatural. Just like Jesus compared being born again and of the spirit. And he goes, he goes, you know, the wind goes where it wills, but you know, we don't know where it comes from or where it's going, but we can see the effects of it. It's the same thing. When you see do, you don't necessarily see it, but you wake up and you see the effects of it. And that's what unity is like. That's what unity does. And we dwell together in unity. Then what happens is, is there's a refreshing that enters. There's a growth that enters. There's something we can't see, but God is doing something in the midst of where there's unity. They continued. They continued. In the word and fellowship, breaking of bread and in prayer. Then fear came upon every soul. And signs and wonders were done by the apostles. And it says this. Last part of verse 3. For there, for there, this place. It's in that place. What place? Where brethren are sitting down and remaining in unity. In that place. In that place. In that place where there's unity. It says God commands his blessing. God commands his blessing. Wow. He doesn't say just the blessing just happens to show up. It says, no, he commands his blessing. There's unity, blessing. There's something that, that, that you can't explain. And there's, there's a, an anointing for an individual. There's an anointing that can rest upon a minister. But there's something that we've only, I think, touched on parts of it. And that is the corporate anointing. He commands his blessing. And the word blessing here is three different Hebrew words. A lot of times in the, in the Hebrew, the word blessing is the word barak. But in this word, it's three different words. It's bet, kaf, resh, or bet, resh, kaf. And, and the first one means, means an open door. The second word means abundance. And the third word means an open hand. So when there's unity, when he commands his blessing, it means his open hand is there to release abundance. His open hand is there to release abundance. There's something amazing about a unity. Go to Second Chronicles chapter 5. Second Chronicles chapter 5. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. There's something amazing. We'll get there in just a moment. There's something amazing about unity. And just as they were unified there in the book of Acts, and then these things happened, then there's other place where it says, and then the church grew daily such as should be saved. The church added, added. When there was unity, the church increased. Why? Because that's where he commands his blessing. 
think about unity for a moment and what gets released. I, first of all, I, th- I thought of creation. Think of creation. Here, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and without void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And it said, and in that moment that, that, that the Spirit of God was hovering, Spirit of God. So you have God and you have the Spirit of God hovering upon the face of the deep. And God says, light be. You see, when, when the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit went into a place of unity, it's all of a sudden we can see everything that took place because of unity. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. I see unity, just an explosion of unity and something extraordinary happened when, when Mary all of a sudden connects with the angel and receives the word. She says, believe it unto, be it done unto me according to your word. I mean, the moment that she hooked up with the word and hooked up with, with heaven and hooked up with what the angel said, what happened? Jesus came into being. There's something miraculous that happens when unity is present. How about Jesus? Jesus was in the wilderness. And as Jesus was in the wilderness, we know the angels came and strengthened him at the end. But we also know when he came out of the wilderness, he went into his hometown and he stood up to read and said, what the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, restore the captives, set at liberty them that are bruised and preach the acceptable year of the Lord. When Jesus got aligned and got in unity with the word of God, Isaiah 61, and he got in unity with heaven. Next thing we know, the spirit of God comes upon him and everywhere he goes, miracles happen. Why? Because he is aligned with the word. He's aligned with heaven and great things are happening. That's the power of unity. Let's look at second Chronicles five here. Second Chronicles five. Thank you, father. Verse 11. And it came to pass when the priests... Yeah, I like that too. Didn't you like that? And it came to pass. Are there, are there some things that you're waiting for? A, and it came to pass. And it came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves. They were, meaning they set apart themselves for a holy purpose. And I believe that's what the... Spirit of God is doing within heritage right now through the through what Dr. Savell's preaching, what what we're talking about with desire, where where he's setting us apart for a specific purpose. Sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. See, that's a big thing. Without keeping to their divisions. Without keeping to their divisions. You need to let any and all division go. You need to let go race, class, political platform. You need to let all these things go because they sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. If we want to see the supernatural and see the extraordinary, stop keeping to your divisions. Won't go there. Try not to go there. And the Levites who were the, the singers 
All those, Asaph and Herdumen and Jeduthun and the sons, it's easier for me to say, and their brethren stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests. Now, it's interesting that it's 120 priests here, and we also see 120 people in the book of Acts from different backgrounds as well. And 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voices with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good and his mercy endures forever. See, this wasn't something they just said once. This is something they kept saying. For he is good and for his mercy endures forever. For he is good and his mercy endures forever. For he is good and his mercy endures forever. Let's say that together. For he is good and his mercy endures forever. Let's say it again. For he is good and his mercy endures forever. One more time. For he is good and his mercy endures forever. See, they weren't just saying it, but they were believing it. says that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with the cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Wow. There was such unity there that the presence of God was so strong. Those priests couldn't stand up. I, I said, let that happen to me. Let, let someone else have to get up and get the microphone. But this wasn't just about what they were saying. It was about they had sanctified themselves without concern of their divisions. And they were all had one focus. And when you have that one focus, then, then this is what happens. I don't know all that's going to happen in heritage over the next year. But I know as we continue to pursue him, pursue his word, and we fellowship and have oneness with each other, then something's going to happen. It's going to be the open door for his hand to bring abundance inside these walls and outside of these walls. Hallelujah. Let's go to Acts 11. Acts 11. So Jesus prayed that prayer. Some historians, historians believe it was, could be anywhere from 29 to 33 AD, depending on how they did the calendar at that time. And on the book in the Acts chapter 2 was around that same time period, of course, because it was just a few days after Jesus had risen. But Acts chapter 11 is 14 years after the birth of the church. 14 years. And Acts chapter 11 is one of my my favorite chapters in the book of Acts. Because in this time, just not too long before that, we see the stoning of Stephen. And because of the stoning of Stephen and because of the persecution, the church was scattered. 
to different areas. Remember, what the enemy means for evil, God's going to turn around for good. So, so the church that was being built in Jerusalem that became this hub of growth with thousands of people. All of a sudden now, because of the persecution, God's saying, well, we're going to send this gospel to other places. And so in this time, they're getting word back from a place called Antioch of what was happening. And in some of the translations that you read, it, it got word that what was happening in Antioch was the very same things that were happening on the day that the Spirit of God was poured out. They're saying it was just like it was in the early days. It was just like it had started. It's happening. We're, we're hearing these things in Antioch. Yeah. And these weren't necessarily Jewish believers. And here it says this for the sake of time. Let's look at verse. Thank you, Father. Verse 20. It says, but some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. Thank you, Father. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they set out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he came and had seen the grace of God, he came and he saw the grace of God. Remember Acts chapter 4, and it said, after they prayed, and it said, and great grace was upon them all. And they talked about signs and wonders happening. And so Barnabas gets there, Dick, and he's like, he's like, man, I'm seeing the grace I'm seeing the power. I'm seeing the hand of God, Vic. I'm seeing it was, it was just like, it was just like when we were there in Jerusalem and, and we saw all these amazing things happen as we continued in the apostles doctrine, as we continued in the, in, in the fellowship, the breaking of bread and in prayers and that same thing. I'm seeing the grace again. I'm seeing the grace again. I'm seeing the power again. I'm seeing the miracles again. Woo. You got to come. You got to come here. This is amazing. This is amazing. And, and it said, then Barnabas stood up and he preached. And I'm going to just sum this up. And what he says, says, it tells them, continue. He says, he, it said, Amplified says, he warned and encouraged them to be devoted to the Lord with steady purpose of heart. What was he saying? Stay devoted to. Sounds like Continuing. Stay devoted to. Meaning, meaning if you want to keep this, if you want to keep this going, the only thing that's going to stop it is if you get out of continuing. And Barnabas was so enthralled with everything that was happening, everything that was going on, he had to go to Tarsus. And he went and got Paul. And Paul is like, man, you got to see. You got to see what's happening here. You got to see what's happening to Antioch. And it said they stayed there and they ministered continually every day for a year. I mean, come on. It's hard to get some people to show up to church once a week. (laughs) Sorry. Every day for a year. And... I mean, think, what, what was Paul preaching? What was Barnabas preaching every day for a year? The Apostles' Doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Wow. 
Let's go to Philippians 4. You got time for two more scriptures? Maybe three. Maybe four. (laughs) Philippians. Philippians 4. Now, so Acts chapter 11 was 14 years after the church was birthed. Now you have another 18 years after Acts chapter 11, you find Philippians chapter 4. This is 18 years after Paul and Barnabas had spent time in Antioch. And by the way, Antioch was the first place they were actually ever called Christians. What means anointed ones. Meaning the power of God and the glory of God was so amazing because of their unity with each other. They're like, man, these people are just like Christ. They're anointed ones. You see, Christian isn't a denominational name. Christian means the anointed has come in and taken up residence. And now that anointing flows through me and flows through you. Philippians 4. Verse 1. Paul says, and this remember, this is 18 years after Acts 11. Paul says this. Therefore, my beloved and long-for brethren, my joy and my crown. Paul's writing this from prison. My beloved and long-for brethren, my joy and my crown. He says, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. What was his encouragement? Stand fast in the Lord. Stand fast in the Lord. Stand fast in the Lord. This means be persistent with fellowship. This was his encouragement. You're you're my joy and my crown. Meaning of all the churches I established, Paul considered the church of Philippi his crown jewel. That he had such an opportunity to be a part of. And he tells them, Closing his letter out while he's in prison. And he says, stand fast in the Lord. Continue. Be persistent in fellowship. I could take you throughout the New Testament and show you this theme. Having a desire for God, a desire for the word, and the desire to be in fellowship with one another. Because when these things are present, there's nothing that can stop the church. Go to First John, and I think I'll close with this. I'll just refer. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You know, take this through the whole New Testament, and you get to Revelation. Jesus walked through the midst of the churches and he comes to the first church, the church of Ephesus, and he makes a statement. He says, I have someone against you. What does he say? You left your first love. And what is is his response to the stars? It talks about stars. It's not that deep. The word stars, it just means the pastors of these churches. He says, so to the, the seven stars, he speaks these things. And the stars represents the pastor. So he's speaking this to the pastor. And he says, I have somewhat against you. 
is you've left your first love. And what was his encouragement? He goes, repent and do the first works. Do the first works. I believe that's, that's all about coming back to continuing with the doctrine, the instructions of Christ, continuing with fellowship, continuing with breaking of bread. Because even you left your first love, that word love there actually means love feast. And in prayer. So we see this encouragement through the scriptures. Be unified with God. Be unified with the word. And be unified with each other. Danny, you all can come up if you want. Let me close with this. First John, verse 1. He was that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. Now listen, we've heard this and we've seen this with our eyes. We've looked upon and our hands have handled concerning what? The word of life. I mean, we saw this, we heard this, and we handled it. Wow. This is from personal experience. The Apostle John. He goes, I've seen it. I've heard it. And Vic, I got to touch him. I just didn't get to hear the word. I got to touch the word. Concerning the word of life. The life was manifest. And we have seen. And bear witness. And we declare to you. That eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. John saying that you might have fellowship with us, meaning, meaning I got to see this. But that doesn't mean you're missing out on it. We have seen, we heard it, and we're declaring to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship, it was this, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. I love what the Amplified says. It says that this fellowship, which is a distinguishing mark of a Christian, See, this fellowship that Jesus was praying about in John chapter 17, this fellowship, being one with the Father, that we be one with each other. He's saying, we, look, we got to touch him. We got to taste him. We got to handle him. We got to be all, all, all around him. But I want you to know that you can have the same kind of fellowship with him. And this fellowship, it's a distinguishing mark of a Christian. This fellowship. I don't know about you, but I desire to be one with him. I desire to be one with his word. I desire for us to be one with each other. Because then amazing things happen. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. You see, receive this word this morning. Thank you, Father. Oh, we praise you, Father. Mm. 
We praise you, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we have a desire for the Father. A desire for the word. A desire for the Son. And Father, that we as a New Testament church. Lord, that we from this moment forward. This day forward, we would continue. In the instructions of Jesus. We would continue with fellowship with you and each other. That we would continue in breaking a bread where we celebrate and we praise and glorify the finished works of Christ and that we would continue in prayer. Lord, that what you have established in heaven for heritage of faith, let it be done here. Holy Spirit, I pray that the love of God would abound more and more to each one of us. Lord, that we would have such an overwhelming love for the presence of God, a love for each other, a love for the word of God. Thank you, Father. And that as we have this fellowship that Jesus prayed about in John chapter 17, that this that we would be perfectly united in one that the world might know. I thank you that Crowley and South Fort Worth, Texas will know us by our love one for another, our love for the Father, our love for his presence, and our love for the word. Lord, and as we make a decision to continue, I thank you that we will see then the fear, reverence will be here. And signs and wonders will be done by the apostles. We thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I declare, I decree, as a pastor of heritage of faith, I decree and declare that unity will abound more and more in this house. That there would would be nothing that would hinder the free flow of what the Spirit of God desires to do in any service. That there will be such a unity in this place that as people drive by or drive on this property, they will sense the love of God in such a way that as they're walking into the building, they get healed. They get set free. They get made new. They get refreshed and recharged because the presence of God is so strong. I thank you for a greater hunger for the presence of God and the word of God like we've never known. And I thank you, Father, that you are doing an amazing work here. You have been reviving things in this place. And there will be such a revival in this place. It will bring about an awakening in our community. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I think it was Smith Wigglesworth made this statement. He said, I'd rather be in the presence of God for five minutes than to have the, 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 the entire world. When I just saw that while I was just praying, I just saw this. I, that the anointing, his presence, what God desires to do in the earth is so much important than my agenda. That the anointing, the presence of God, the power of God is so much more important than my offense. That nothing could get me off of the greater. I don't want to forfeit something greater for something petty. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to just move in our hearts. As we leave here today, continue to check our hearts and continue to fan the flame of what you're doing in our lives. And let your will be done and herd your faith as you've ordained it in heaven. Hallelujah. Give him a shout of praise if you receive that today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Mm. Lord, I thank you for right now that you're touching backs right now. Touching backs right now. Ministering, ministering to backs. So think if things are out of line, just, just the popping back into place right now. But I thank you right now for the anointing just to come upon their heads, down to the soles of their feet. And I thank you for divine nature to flow over them. From the top all the way to the bottom. Divine nature to push out anything and everything that doesn't belong. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. 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 Just heard this word and it, it might be for one or it could be for a couple. Don't give up. Don't give up. Just before the harvest of your prayer. Don't give up because you're about to have the harvest of what you prayed for. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. We receive that. Oh, we thank you for manifested prayer. Manifested. Manifestation. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you for manifestation. Manifestation. Hallelujah. Mm.